<laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny. Sorry. Uh, okay, so. Yeah. Straight in? Straight in. Let's just bang it out. Nobody asked for this. It's not the same when it's not her, is it? It's not quite the same. Welcome to the podcast nobody asked for with me, Ian Harris. Me, Graham Jones. And actually, sorry, this week, Ian. We had a bit of press coverage, and I believe we are the podcast everybody asked for. Very true. So, the the illustrious movie website, um, Film Stories, featured us as their British Podcast of the Week. Or British Movie Podcast, British of, movie the week, podcast of the Week. Yeah. Which is mental, and we couldn't be happier. And I think I've started to bore people by the sheer amount of times I've sent it out to people. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm contemplating just printing it and, and flyering the streets of, of West London. Um, yeah, maybe maybe some kind of banner behind a plane. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Or just a, a flag. We'll, we'll, we'll hang, it from the, hang it from the house. But, um, but in all seriousness, thank you very much to M at Film Stories for, for covering um, the podcast. And um, if any of you are here as a result of the article, welcome. Enjoy your stay. Um, this isn't how we always do things, as you'll find out, but um, it should be quite fun. Yeah, so this week we are talking about long takes, and we are doing this for two reasons. So number one, I love long takes in movies. So long, continuous shots that look either are or look like they've been uh, done in one continuous take. Uh, and number two, and arguably the most important, it gives us a good reason to record a podcast as one continuous take. Because we're meta, meta pieces of shit. Uh, and it means we don't have a lot to edit uh, because we're moving. Well, I say we're moving. I am moving. And I am now living at Graham's. <laughs> I am I am staying firmly put. Firmly, firmly put, but we didn't have a lot of time to edit the podcast, so we thought what better time to design something we could seamlessly just run through and release. But, so we have to know, be on our best behaviour today, then. We are, and that is why my partner is currently downstairs looking after Bowie. <laughs> this is very true. So, if... It, another thing that we, you know... Another thing that we don't usually do is not have a dog barking in the background. So, you know, if people are here because of film stories, it's not how we usually roll. Uh, so expect expect some extra ers, some extra ums, but view it as a bonus rather than a hindrance. It's it's extra content at the same low low price of just wherever you get your podcasts. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't argue with that. Um, but it will be nice. I just ummed. Oh, I'm going to be very aware of the ums now. Oh yeah, oh, lots of ums. A bad case of the ums. Um, I did it again. Ah, uh, <laughs> this is going to really mess with me. But Bowie, yeah, Bowie will not be causing um, havoc, and therefore it may be a more. Well, I mean, some some people come for the Bowie havoc. Um, so I I think a lot of I think we are both joint second for favorite host of this podcast <laughs> with number one being far away removed bowie yeah i mean that I, to be honest i i i don't know if i've told this before i there there's a few people um that live a few doors down from here and whenever i take bowie out for a walk 
he always like they've they've formed a bond bowie and this middle-aged couple that live down the road from me and i they they talk to me through bowie like they don't know my name (laughs) i don't know their name they know bowie's name they say hello to bowie every single day i walk past um bowie will look to see them every time we walk past the house uh but i i have no genuinely not sure of their names and they definitely don't know my name my dog oh, is more popular oh. than me and i'm 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 okay with it i've, I've got past well, i i i like you that's the important Thanks, thing and I, i'm saying that currently from your spare room <laughs> so it comes from a place of love so there is one rule really with this episode and that is our choices had to just appear as a single take so they didn't necessarily have to be recorded as a single take they just had to the end result had to be but obviously i think there's bonus points on offer if it was one continuous take so i did a bit of research so all of my choices are scenes but there were obviously a number of films which were done to appear as one continuous take do you know what the first one ever was well probably 1917 because that was years ago Oy. So, I see what you did there, and I like it, but it was 1948, so the film Rope, which is kind of the granddaddy of the continuous take, so it was all, it wasn't actually filmed as one continuous take, I, I think there were 10 minute chunks because it was 1948 and <laughs> camera roll was a thing, uh, you obviously then had Birdman, which I enjoyed, but I don't really remember a lot about it. No, I don't. It was it was good. It was trippy. Um, I also don't actually remember it being a single take. So I would. I'm glad you said that because I don't either. So, which is strange given how much I love them. But there there have been a couple of films which have been legitimately filmed as one long continuous take, and it gives me anxiety thinking about it so russian arc had a cast of over 2000 people and it took four attempts to film uh the first one failed within five minutes and they just about finished the fourth one uh before the battery died oh that would be um that's that's squeaky bum time that is isn't it yeah, so I, I think it clocks in at just under an hour and a half. There was a film in 2015, so a German film called Victoria, which was two hours and 20 minutes long. And they filmed it as one continuous take throughout Berlin. And the budget allow, only allowed them three attempts to film it. Jeez. Otherwise, they would flat out run out of money. So apparently he had to make like a traditional version of the film, just in case they couldn't get the single continuous take. Impressive. I always wonder about, you know, in films when there's scenes like uh, like someone's hair being cut and they're actually cutting the hair, like that's the one chance they have at doing it, right? You can't grow it back yeah. for another take. It just, that always stresses me out. I'm like, they had to get this right. Y- yeah, or, or like the, I mean, uh, Tropic Thunder. Where they set off the explosions too early. Yeah, it's like, can you imagine if like that that must have happened in real life? Like, imagine him being the guy who accidentally caused like a half a million pound stunt to fire prematurely. 
I mean, you don't. You, that's not something that you want to be known for, is it? <laughs> it's not not ideal. No. Uh, there was also a film called Time Code, which was a ninety minute continuous take, but it was four continuous takes that run parallel to each other. So it's. I haven't watched it, but apparently it's like. So you know that Rick and Morty episode where like the universe or parallel dimensions are multiplying. Yeah, yeah, and you get the split screen. Yeah, so it's done as a, it's four different streams being shown at once on the screen. Okay. And I think bits and pieces will end up going in and out of different stories. Oh, so it is so a single stressful to watch. Yeah, so it's a non-linear single continuous take film. Yeah, I, I can't. I, 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 honestly, thinking about what goes into making that is stressing me out. But I think even trying to watch it would stress me out. Yeah, exactly. It, it's because I, I think for me that's part of the part of the thing with continuous takes is one I think is which we'll come on to, I'm assuming during the episode that as a storytelling me- mechanism, I think it's really interesting. Um, I think it can bring a lot of things to the fore, and it can make you feel a lot of different ways but then there's also the side of a continuous take where it's just you're watching how the fuck did they do that like some of the transitions and things they're able to do is it's madness graham yeah i mean reading reading up on some of these and some of the the stuff that they went through to uh to enable some of these takes is is quite incredible um oh yeah it's it is insane it's, but it's literally choreography to a point oh definitely and i mean and s- some of these where the scenes are i mean things have been basically invented to allow these scenes to take place some have had their entire way the the movie was built or tv show was built was designed just to allow that shot to happen yeah it's it's fascinating i, I don't know why i love it so much it's like fourth wall breaking stuff. It just seems to speak to me, and I don't know. It says something about me as a person, but I'm not sure what it is. I mean, technically, you're living your life in one continuous take. Probably. No, it depends what conspiracy theories you buy into. I still think I'm living my life within the hollow moon. So, you know. I mean, I thought you were talking about conspiracy theories, Ian. Very, very good point. <laughs> so... Given we have a, a lot to talk about, and usually when we're editing a podcast, there is a lot of just inane rambling we have to cut out. I think it's I think it's about time we cut to uh, your movie recommendation nobody asked for. We're not cutting at all, Ian. That's the whole point. Very good point. <laughs> uh, I believe I believe it's time we just continually move over <laughs> to your movie recommendation nobody yeah. asked for for this week so my movie recommendation that nobody asked for this week um i thought i'd flip the the topic on its head so rather than uh a long continuous take of a film or a scene i thought i would go for a film that um has one scene in it that's 104 seconds long and contains 60 cuts um making for an average shot length of 1.8 seconds I am, of course, talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, um, the Freddie Mercury biopic starring Remy Malek. Um, 
if you haven't seen the scene uh, so i i really quite liked bohemian rhapsody i think it's a good film um but this there's the scene where queen are meeting their manager for the first time um and the editing is just something to behold um as i say 60 cuts in 104 seconds it is turbulent i think is probably the best way to describe it i i do like how when when i knew that this week was going to be this episode and i knew it was going to be your movie recommendation nobody asked for i knew it was going to come down to like two things right it would either be 1917 yeah to talk about a film that's done as one continuous take blah 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 or i knew it was going to be bohemian rhapsody <laughs> there was there was no middle ground i i knew it was either going to be one or it's ah oh, graham does go against the grain with his choices all the time doesn't he what's the opposite of a continue oh wait no it's that scene in bohemian rhapsody yeah well i'm glad i could deliver for you there ian I do, I, I do like, like you said, I think the problem with Bohemian Rhapsody is it's a Queen movie disguised as a Freddie Mercury film. I Yeah, I would say so. And there's also, uh, they take some liberties with the artistic license with the truth um, on some things and orders of things for dramatic effect, etc, etc. But also, it's a film. That's kind of what films do. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought Remy Malik was very good in it. I, I preferred Rocket Man. But you know what? You're allowed to like both. Because, you know, it's it's a weird hill to die on, isn't it? So, Well, I, I like Rocket Man, so I can't like Bohemian Rhapsody. Because uh, fa- famously, El- Elton John and um, Freddie Mercury had a big uh, big beef. It was like Biggie and Tupac. I mean, some say that maybe Elton John knocked off Freddie Mercury. <laughs> he was the gunman on the grassy knoll. <laughs> so, if you if you don't like high-speed cuts by the river is there any other movie you could recommend someone to yeah midsummer cool we're done (laughs) yeah go watch midsummer people yeah i mean a film a film which does generally involve a lot of very long scenes it does yeah and some um some quite deep cuts mainly into the sternum of a bear yeah that's the that is the long continuous cut we should have gone for isn't it (laughs) So, so my choice is this surgery footage. <laughs> yeah. So on on that note, if there isn't anything left for you to cover, there isn't. I think it's over to you. There sir. isn't. It's over to me. See what we're doing there, because I'm playing the guitar while we're doing this, so then I have to edit even less later. Um, not that we're cutting it fine or anything like that. We are. We are the pinnacle of professionalism so like i said in the intro there's a number of reasons or a number of things i think long takes are effective in doing and one of them is fight scenes so a lot of a lot of films usually kind of in the west um are edited like the bohemian rhapsody scene so uh, Michael Bay syndrome, shall we call it? <laughs> so, like, like Transformers, where the fights are so high speed and cut so quickly and zoomed so far in, you can't actually make out anything that's happening. Yeah, and it gets a bit, bit much. But when it, a long take or a continuous take is used with a fight scene, you can see everything 
kind of unfolding in front of you. So Warrior King, which I've talked about before. Uh, so it's the Protector in the US. It is Thai Dragon in Spain. And it is Revenge of the Warrior in Germany. So that's the film where Tony Jaa gets upset that somebody nicked his elephant. I haven't seen that, but I want to see something where... It is amazing. But there's a fight scene where he's found out where he thinks his elephant is. And he storms into, I think it's it's either like a hotel or a casino or it's something shady anyway. And then proceeds to beat the ever-loving shit out of people across multiple stories and over a number of staircases. And it's brilliant. Um, the Raid 2 had a fight scene, um, which involved them moving a camera through a high-speed car chase. So, yeah. and again, it's a great fight scene, but the behind-the-scenes stuff is so much more interesting. There's a cameraman disguised as a car seat. <laughs> but when you know there's a cameraman disguised as a car seat, it's the only thing you can see in the film. But I, I don't know how they did it, but they literally handed the camera through the car so it would move through the car and then out the other side back into the car chase. That's Yeah, that's insanely impressive. It's like those people that do the... They dress up as a car seat and go through a drive-through. Have you seen those videos? And, like, Yes, yeah, so it looks like no one's driving the car. Yeah, classic, classic. Or, classic or it's some like weird... It's some weird fetish thing. <laughs> or that. Yeah. Well, I do do like a good car seat. So <laughs> these are these are the kind of jokes where what would usually happen on this episode is we would then make another comment that would just have taken it far too far, <laughs> and we would have to cut out the entire reference. But we stopped ourselves because we have discipline. Yeah. So bloody uh, professionals. Fucking professionals. So another kind of film which is renowned for well not. Well, renowned for not being a long take is Rocky. So Rocky has, you know, I think a montage is arguably the opposite of a long take. So, <laughs> yeah, a lot of the Rocky films, the fight scenes aren't, you don't really see a lot of them. But Creed features a boxing match, which is done as one continuous take. And it's crazy. I, I still don't really know how they would do it, but it is by far the most real... Well, as real as a boxing match can be when your main character is blocking punches with his face. <laughs> but it's a brilliant bit of, uh, you know, it's just a great bit of cinema, and it's not just movies either. So Daredevil has... Uh, so season one has a fight scene that is strongly influenced by my choice uh, for this pick. Uh, where he's fighting in a hallway and again it's all done as one continuous take and it's again it's in and out of rooms like the, the sheer fight choreography side of it is just insanity so for me the best continuous take or the, the best long take fight scene is in 2003's old boy so i'm talking about the south korean park chan wook film not the remake that came out with Josh Brolin, which, though it had some interesting ideas, wasn't very good. But Old Boy is, for me, speaking as a movie fan, I generally struggle to tell people what my favourite film is. Like my my top three, like my top three is Forever in Flux. 
like Midsummer's definitely up there uh, of recent years, but it's always been something I could never really say what my favorite film is. But it's difficult when there's so many good ones. But I, yeah. I, I, I get what you mean, yeah. But Old Boy has always been in the discussion for me. I, I truly believe it is. It's it's definitely the best thriller ever made, and arguably it's the best film. It was um, it was probably my first foray into like non-English cinema. Um. I th- I think especially people our age I I think it was a lot of people. Yeah. Um it was either be old boy because there's a couple of ultra violent scenes there's uh again I'm not I'm not going to spoil uh, anything to do with the film outside of this scene but there's there's a lot you would have heard about and then gone to this film. I think a lot of the Guillermo del Toro stuff was a lot of people's introduction around that time as well. Yeah. So Hans Labyrinth. Yeah, exactly. But Park Chan is he he was one of my favorite directors. I I don't know what it is about him. It might just be that he continuously makes fucked up films and that's what seems to draw my attention. But we are we are of course talking about the hallway fight. So our hero if we could call him hero that's yeah is he an our, anti-hero i our, our, our main character <laughs> that has just tortured the warden of a private prison that held him captive for 15 years leaves the room and is confronted by 14 of his henchmen in a hallway i know that because i paused it and counted <laughs> so the scene is two minutes and 40 seconds long and it is one continuous take so there's no hidden cuts or anything like that. It is all done as one camera movement. It t- took them three days and 17 takes to do. And the only editing is at one point, the main character, so Ode Sue, gets stabbed in the back and the knife is computer generated. Um, so everything else is all in camera. I'd say that's fair enough. Rather than actually stabbing him. The hallway fight is is basically like a side-scrolling video game. The fight kind of ebbs and flows. People get hit with sticks. People get hit with hammers. Main character gets stabbed in the back. It's just fucking amazing. So the weirdest thing for me is, given it is just this dude fighting 14 henchmen, it never comes across that he's like superhuman or anything like that. It, it's such so kind of realistically done. And because you're allowed to see it, you kind of see the, you know, he obviously gets the shit beaten out of him at the beginning and then he manages to fight back. He has a hammer. It, You know, we've all seen Thor. That's always the, the route to victory, isn't it? So it's just, you're seeing again. It's also, it's also the answer to that age old song, If I Had a Hammer. As well. I, exactly. Yeah. If I had a hammer. I could beat up 14 people in a corridor after torturing the warden of a private prison. All over this land. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because I think if it was done as a if it was cut more traditionally he would just come across as like a stupidly overly powerful but being able to see him kind of lose bits of the fight adds so much more weight to him winning it and it also comes out of nowhere 
there's nothing in this film to suggest that a fight scene like this is about to happen. And at that point, anyway, I'd never really seen anything like that. Like the film just, it's that the camera suddenly switches. It's all just, I, I don't know how long it would have taken them to kind of plan everything in terms of choreography and stuff, but it was a, it was great. And then it just kind of ends with him at the end of this corridor with just <laughs> groaning bodies littering everything. And then I think you hear the ping of an elevator and then it switches back to kind of a shot behind him and you see what's going on. But I, I couldn't recommend Old Boy enough to people. It's it is something else. Oh, it's I I absolutely love it. I, I haven't been able to bring myself to watch the uh the US adaption of it because I heard so many bad things and I kind of want to keep it untainted. Um, I do need to rewatch it. Actually, it's one of those films that I watched a long time ago and haven't got round to 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 rewatching. Um, do you know it'd be quite funny to to double bill it with um, my octopus teacher? <laughs> so old boy and my octopus teacher. <laughs> is that is that because yeah. he eats the octopus? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a fucking weird. Yeah. Speaking of watching something and being kind of slightly sucked out of the film. So is he? That that actually looks like he's eating that live octopus. It's the it's it's the um, tentacles wrapping around his face as he's yeah. doing it. It's just like, oh, he is eating a lovely live octopus. It's uh, <laughs> that's that's that that stuff usually reserved for like Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was fresh. Yeah, I mean, so you were mentioning the remake. Like, it is it is weird because everyone involved in the remake is amazing so it's a spike lee yep. film josh brolin's in it uh sholto copley's in it and elizabeth olsen like everything about it oh i didn't even realize elizabeth yeah so olsen's it was before she'd kind of obviously hit it big so it's because it was before she hit it big it doesn't stick in your memory that she was in it kind of thing but yeah yeah i i don't know if it is just it didn't so it changed some things in the film like not necessarily to its detriment, but it didn't add enough to make it. It's the kind of remake you just watch, thinking this isn't old boy though. Like, I I know what they're doing. Yeah, but it's like someone made old boy from somebody explaining old boy to them, who like hadn't seen it in a while. So I'm gonna blame you. I I did forget to mention to you I was um. I was the showrunner on Old Boy. That makes sense. Yeah, I was on a conference call with Spike Lee. I said, "Old Boy, you've seen it, right, Greg? Yeah, yeah. Tell me the plot. Yeah, yeah. I said, oh, "I can't, I can't remember the end. I'll just kind of, I'll just make it up as I go." <laughs> but yeah, so that that is my first choice. Um, before we go into transition music, uh, anything else? Any other Korean-based cinema you want to throw out to people apart from Parasite, which I think everybody needs Ob- to see? Obvious. Obviously, Parasite, um, Train to Busan. Yeah, Train to Busan's brilliant. God, I yeah. fucking love old boy. Oh, oh! Transition music has happened now, Graham. We're done. That is old boy finished. Okay, it is your choice. Old boy is in the box. Um, my first choice. Um, so I'm gonna go with a slightly different order, 
purely based on what you've said. We're going to switch things up in. Oh, nice. Just, it's fluid. Because that's like what we it. want in a long take episode. Spontaneity. <laughs> um, because you're talking about long fight scenes, I kind of, I, I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep the, the thread moving as if this were one continuous take. Because it is. Because that's what's happening. Um, and I'm going to talk about a fairly decent Chris Hemsworth action movie um, that came out mid-pandemic um, on I, I, I do love action films that you could describe as fairly decent, and I still think, yeah, that's completely fair. I totally enjoyed it, but you can't, you can't describe it more than that. There's a time and a place for no. fairly decent, and it is the action genre. It is the action genre. It is uh, Friday night or, like, a lazy Sunday um and a couple of beers and uh, i don't want to think about what i'm watching but i do want to see some explosions yeah um so this this film is extraction came out in 2020 so mid pandemic um it was a netflix release um and yeah it, it's kind of exactly what you'd expect it's fun it's over the top and it's it's entirely forgettable probably <laughs> I but, yeah um, I I really enjoyed it but I couldn't tell you a lot about it now. So the general like overarching plot is Chris Hemsworth. He is a black market mercenary called Tyler Rake, which is a ridiculous Fucking name. <laughs> which they they reference. Um, it's a ridiculous name, right? I, I think the kid sure mocks do, yeah. him for it. Um, and he's basically been given the job of extracting, hence extraction, because of that's what he's doing um the kidnapped son of this high-powered drug lord um from another high-powered drug lord um so that's what happens chris hemsworthing ensues um and i say it's it's entirely forgettable it is apart from the 12 minute long one continuous shot uh fight scene uh which includes a car chase, a foot chase, another car chase, gun battles, knife battles, hand-to-hand combat, and lots of explosions. It's so good. It, it was... I remember watching it, and you hadn't seen yeah. it at this point. I think I watched it fairly soon after it came out, and I just remember texting you because of knowing your love for, for the long take. It's like, you need to watch this film. Well, I even didn't even need to watch the film. You need to watch this 12 minutes. Well, I... So I, I watched it off of Graham's recommendation. Um, and so his recommendation explicitly of you're going to love it because there's this long take in it. So it's fun watching a film knowing a long take is going to happen. Because any yeah. shot that is slightly longer than average, your brain goes, oh, this is it. This is the, oh, wait, no, they've cut. So, oh, no, no, this is it. And, and when it kicked off, I then had the opposite thing. Of like, so I'm gonna. I know we're doing this long take episode. So once it's done, I want to message Graham and tell him how awesome it is. And I kept grabbing for my phone when I thought it was done, and then it kept going. Like it was like yeah, the yeah. Lords of the Rings of long takes. Like, it just <laughs> like. Or I think after the after the car chase, I think I went to message you, and then he started running on foot, and then that stopped. It's like, oh, he's got into another car. They're not going to keep going. Oh, oh no, they are it's just yeah uh. it's so it's um it's directed by um sam hargrave yeah. um so he was the um 
he was the stunt director for Marvel. Yeah. Um, and one of the, um, I think one of the most in-demand stuntmen in, in Hollywood as well. Um, so he, and given what happens, um, you know, the, the fighting, the, the thoriness of it all. He was, he was um, Captain America, right? So I, don't know, I think was he? he was Chris Hem- uh, Chris Evans's stunt double, and uh, then, okay. then I think that, from I mean, there he went to me. stunt coordinator, and then from yeah. there he's now done this film. But I could be I could um, be wrong, and because we're doing this as a long take, just gonna have to keep it in there. I can't craftily yeah. edit out me frantically googling in the background, and we can't even we can't even consult future. Yeah, yeah shit. It there's there's a lot of Marvel. To, to this movie so obviously um sam hargrave directed um it stars chris hemsworth it was also written by joe russo the russo brothers i, I, I knew they were um, involved but i couldn't remember how so and sort of so how they got to this right how they got to the um doing this long take was that sam hargrave was talking to to joe russo and he's like well how do i how do i make it my own how do i make it uh, so it's not just another version of a car chase in like a jason bourne movie or a james bond movie um and given the budget of the movie given the amount of time they had they're not gonna outborn born so how do like how does this how do they kind of make extraction like i don't know it, have its own kind of Piesta de resistance because yeah, i think everyone um, trying to outborn born ended up being shit because same with same with the old boy remake your your takeaway isn't oh this is good it's this isn't born though yeah um so as a result like the whole um i, I think the the advice were from joe russo was like well do do this extended take of this this chase this fight sequence um because it really is meant to sort of reflect on the feeling of what's actually happened in the movie yeah. so um it's so the quote was is what you're promising with the title of an extraction is let's have the audience experiences for the characters in real times so that you're facing the challenges that they face as they as they do you're reacting to what they react to which is why i chose to do it handheld um, and kind of documentary style uh, when you're right there experiencing the scene in real time. And to be fair, as I mentioned, it is a largely forgettable movie, but this does stick with you. And it is a really unique, let's say 12 minute long fight slash car chase slash explosions slash foot chase scene that is just... I don't know, I don't think... There's not much out there that's like it, I don't think. And it was really, really enjoyable. Yeah, there, there's there's scenes out there that are like parts of it. So again, like uh, yeah. the raid two has the continuous take car chase, and then mm-hmm. other things have the continuous take foot chase, and other things have the continuous kind of because there's a fight in a building as well. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, because there's the whole like running along the scaffolding. He bits outside, yeah. and then he jumps down, and then there's another carpet. Like, and, arguably, yeah. there are films out there that do each section of it better than Extraction does. 
but I've oh, never yeah. seen it put together like that. Like I said, there there was so, there was at least four or five occasions where I thought it was done, and it kept going. So there's a part where it, um, yeah. he comes across a roadblock. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, cool. So what's going to happen now is they're going to cut the camera behind the roadblock, and it's going to change. And it kept going for like another six fucking minutes. I yeah. was so yeah, happy. And there's a bit I think when when he jumps off of the scaffolding and sort of lands, and you're expecting yes, to like yeah. Cut, yeah, yeah, camera to go and see what's coming, but no, so good. But yeah, it is. It's insanely action packed, well executed. Um, so I think they shot the entirety of it um, twenty two times yeah. in total, and unlike old oh boy, there are cuts to this. So it is. It is. It appears as one take, and it appears very well as one take. But it is. There are cuts to it. Um, and the director admitted to this, but he won't say how many they are, and he's kind of challenged viewers oh, to basically say, you tell me, like, pick them out. We'll, we'll tweet um, him a number a day. There is one taken. Because <laughs> we'll get it right at some point, and then that's the tweet that'll go viral. Yeah. Well, uh, um, did, did we ever talk about Carol Vorderman retweeting us? I can't remember. Let's let's not talk no, we about didn't. it. Let's just leave that there. Yeah, we didn't. We we. Anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the fact that even though it isn't a complete long take, well, it it's it there are cuts, but I I I didn't notice them. Oh, I needed um, to, and you weren't in in a lot of scenes like this as well. You're actively looking for them, but yeah. extraction. I think it's so well done and so kind of high octane. You're just focused on what's going on. Rather than uh Yeah, and I think I think that definitely yeah. helps. There's probably every time there's a massive explosion, that's what the cut is like, oh we're gonna distract them. Yeah, that or uh any time the entire screen is filled up with wall. If that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean, yeah. But so they, they um, they've edited it together, but each run they did, they did the whole twelve minutes. I assume. That's as I understand yeah. it, yeah, from what I was from what I was reading, yeah, but I guess in some of them, that part was better than other ones, and therefore it made sense to to make the cuts yeah. where they did. Um, but as I say, it's it's pretty much seamless, um, and it, just the sheer fact of combining as much as they did into a sequence and making it appear as if it was a single take is just insanely impressive. Um, and it, yeah, it's it is a kind of if if you take this out of it i don't think i would have i'd have been like yeah i saw extraction but yeah i wouldn't bother watching it but this elevated it yeah um, definitely and yeah it's it's extremely memorable it's it's a lot of fun and it's it's just very very impressive that doesn't sound right let's try that again you seem, to, you seem to be summing up well, so I just fucking went for it. Just jumped yeah, in, I was, I played was trying the wrong to... note, but it was a, it was a sum up. It, it was like you, you, you had the tone of, you know when like the Academy is trying to get someone to stop a speech? Yeah, yeah, they start, start playing the music. Yeah, I liked it. My next choice, so again, to kind of go through reasons why I like long takes and to also be a massive hypocrite and go against uh, something I praised Extraction for. But one of the big things with the long take is the what I like to call the how the fuck did they do that factor. 
So this applies to films like 1917. So at one point in that, the camera, I think they're walking around the bottom of a crater and the camera keeps going over the water undisturbed. And it was the first time in the film I got entirely sucked out of it. I was like, how the fuck have they done? That is so cool. Um, (laughs) There's a film called The Secret in Their Eyes where the opening scene is in a football stadium and the shot starts above the stadium. You go down, see the game, go into the crowds, meet the people in the crowd, like the main characters in the crowds, and then there's a foot chase. I I have no right. idea how they did it. Like, again, I, I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't... There must be trickery in it somewhere, but it's insane. I, I'll, I'll put the... I think, obviously, a lot of the clips we've been talking about are going to go in the episode notes in a YouTube playlist, so I'll put it in there, but I couldn't wrap my head around it. Uh, there's a film called I Am Cuba from 1964, which is, I think it's a black and white film through the streets of Cuba. And it's very impressively done for a continuous take, especially one in the like early 60s. But there's a part where the camera suddenly rises up the side of a building. And okay. again, it's like it comes so far out of nowhere. It's like, how are they? Like, it, it turns out it was a number, like basically people, I think, passing it up. And <laughs> that's great. I love, I love when these things have like the most simple, practical yeah. Uh, solutions. Yeah, and if them. I remember, we'll we'll refer back to that uh, later on in this part. Um, the Old Spice advert. Wait, uh, Terry Crews. No, the uh, the I'm on a horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was very close to picking that and just fucking throwing our entire concept as being a movie and TV podcast out the window. <laughs> Uh, there's a Jim Carrey series where he plays basically like a Mr. Rogers who's having a nervous breakdown. And there's there's a scene okay. in that of this woman, I think, spending a couple of years in an apartment, which is done as a continuous take. Oh, uh, so this is one that I thought about and had I, I've seen the yeah. video because there's there's the famous video of it's like the birds. So that view, is better. They... That, well, not better. That for me is more interesting than the scene. Yeah. But I was like, I, I, I didn't know how to Google yeah. that thing that I have no idea what it was. But like, it, it's so impressive watching. Again, it's it's kind of like the it's kind of like the choreography yeah. of so the, it's she the people on the yeah. Set. So the camera is basically going round and round this apartment, and as it's going round, the apartment is aging and changing. So whenever the camera yeah. is pointing towards one wall, something is happening with the crew behind it. And it's it's fascinating. And I'm glad you said um, the Googling part because I watched it. I watched it was either like a watch mojo or a Cinefix list on long takes ages ago that had that the secret in their eyes clip. Uh, so the one at the football mm-hmm. game. And I couldn't remember what it was called. So I Googled long take football movie scene and it popped up with a movie called long, uh, The Long Shots which is a sports comedy starring Ice Cube, directed by Fred Durst. (laughs) But I got there eventually. But for me, and for this choice, we are off to the dystopian future of Children of Men. For my, uh, what I'd like to, again, what what I want to call the how the fuck did they do that factor. Or the how the fuck did they do that shot. So Children of Men is a 2006 
uh, Alfonso Curran film. Uh, so it's a science fiction f- thriller set in like a infertile world. And it's a brilliant movie. And by that, I mean it's bordering on post-apocalypse and features a number of long takes. So, of course, I'm going to think it's fucking brilliant. But it also helps that it legitimately is great. Um, but I'm not talking about, I think, the long shot from Children of Men that most people know. So there's a famous like scene where Clive Owen is running through a battle. And blood splashes on the camera and stuff like that. Um, for me, the most impressive one is so. I mean, to to be fair, the whole blood on the lens thing is it's incredible. And apparently, the director was close to calling cut, but didn't. And it's now you know like just a, a very kind of iconic shot. But I'm going for so the car ambush scene. So the ambush scene is, so it's just over four minutes long. It was shot in six sections at four different locations and required. So they have announced how many transitions. There are five. But it doesn't make it any less insane. So it starts off as a nice drive with Clive Owen and the fishes, who are one of the least threatening named militant groups I can think of the fishes yeah i mean that's not it's not striking striking no like i i I know the sharks would be a bit fucking west side story but it's better than the fishes i mean it are they um the fishes are they led by the uh the codfather i like that that's good yeah they've got a nice little school going so but before we continue what's happened to clive owen i've not seen clive owen i apparently i'm just looking now he's been in a lot of films i've not seen clive owen in a film since the classic 2007 i was just about to say i bet it shoot him up <laughs> um, yeah i can't i can't i couldn't name you a film he's been in after shoot him up or sin city was before shoot him up sin city was before uh he had he had a good run of sin city uh, Inside Man, Children of Men, Shoot 'Em Up, and then I've not really seen. I haven't seen any of these films. The only one I even recognise is Valerian and The City of a Thousand. Oh, Planets. that was a film I ended up enjoying a lot more than I thought I would or should have. So I haven't. Seen, oh, and I rec- I also recognise Gemini Man, but I haven't seen that. Yet. Oh, that was because it's got two Will Smiths. Oh, uh, yeah. that's why. There's I no. Seen there's it. no way. <laughs> <laughs> there is. There is old Will Smith and young Will Smith. Um, oh god! Yeah, because the thing with Clive Owen, it, it kind of had a bit of a Brendan Fraser vibe to him. Because it's not just that he disappeared; it's that he was like the biggest movie star for a couple of years. Yeah, he was. He was in. I mean, yeah, he was like the lead in Sin City, right? Like he was. Uh... I do. I do like him. Sh- shoot him up. I still maintain is criminally underrated, and b- by underrated, I mean, it... hardly anybody has heard of it. Yeah, but if sorry, if 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 there's a film where people are getting murdered by carrots, I'm watching exactly. It. <laughs> but back to sorry, I digress. Back, back to the fish. So they're driving a pregnant woman, um, who is possibly the only pregnant woman in the world, to a ship that will save magically save the day. You know, it's a plot device shit. But the car is then ambushed. People are shot. They then escape. Um. 
but there are five people in the car and it's not a huge car and the camera is just kind of moving seamlessly inside so it's properly it's not like it's a fucking um do you remember marion and jeff but are they family friends no so it was a rob bryden (laughs) series from like 15 odd years ago where he plays a chauffeur and it's basically like it's just like a comedy monologue so right oh fuck i can't remember his character's name but his ex-wife is marion and jeff is her new partner and it's just him talking about kind of things and it was so dark but the whole thing is there's like a camera it's a fixed camera in the corner of the car and it's just him talking so it's not like that it's the camera is properly swinging around pointing at people and i had no idea how they managed to move that camera around inside that car but then i remembered google exists so I googled it. So the cinematographer came up with basically a new thing. So it was called a two-axis dolly camera, which can move in five direct, uh, sorry, four directions. So it can go up, down, left, and right. And they used that to move, uh, move the camera around the car. They then, it's kind of like to reference back to obviously when we're talking about a post-apocalyptic film set in a world where everyone's infertile. The Masked Magician. So it's kind of like The Masked Magician. I thought you were going to go, hell comes to frogs. <laughs> yeah, a lot less frogs in Children <laughs> of Men. Uh, more fish, though. A lot more fish. But the thing with the shot is I am, I'm so glad I found out how they did it. But a lot of the magic has gone because a lot of it comes down to the fact they cut the roof off the car, which okay. seems a lot less <laughs> technical and also obviously what they did. So the crew are basically on top of the car while it's filming. The car is then on a rig, which is being driven, obviously, for them. Um, But it's like a really low... So it's not like the back of a truck. It's obviously something that's designed to make it the car the right height. So the dude driving it is basically just sitting on the floor a couple of feet in front of the car. Right. And then you have the camera crew... Or the the guys controlling the camera on top of the car in like a forensic tent, and they're like controlling it around. And then as the camera moves, this uh, car seats they're on uh, basically freely pivot um, backwards and forwards. So the idea is, if you're not on screen, you can put your chair flat on the floor, and the camera can swing in where you are and point to everybody else. But Right, okay. And that's also kind of part of the long take as well, is it it's not just the choreography behind the camera that's important. It's everybody has to be involved to make it kind of work the way it does. And then at the end of the scene, which again is why kind of these digital transitions when they're done right are amazing, is at the end of the scene the camera leaves the car. And obviously it's not the weird fucking scrappy challenged car they've uh, they filmed the scene with. It's the actual, you know, car. And the car then drives off and leaves the camera at the side of the road. And... Right. Yeah. It's just crazy. And like you said, it's the kind... It's similar to... Obviously not the, the length of extraction, but it's similar to extraction in that it 
keeps going, which is the definition of a long take. But you know, you know what I mean. Like just, just as you think it's going to be done, it yeah. somehow ramps it up. And for a scene that has so many long takes in, and, and again, one which is very iconic, the, this just blows it out of the water for me. Just from like a sheer, how have they done this? I um, just want to go back a little bit here. How good was Scrappy? Scrappy Challenge was fucking amazing. <laughs> it, it's not not that I, I write my notes with the intention of going off on a tangent or anything, but uh, Scrappy <laughs> Challenge, the Channel 4 show, uh, American version was called Junkyard Wars, starring Robert Llewellyn from... Uh, Red Dwarf, obviously. I joke, I joke. Scrappy Challenge is one of the best shows ever conceived on British television. What happened? Is it? I, I don't think it's with us anymore. I don't think so, but it, it definitely went a lot because I, I think they toyed with the formula towards the end to kind of try and mix it up a bit because I think there's only only so many ideas you can have for a Scrappy Challenge episode. Yeah, and there was always uh, a team in it with like a really big, jolly like biker dude with a massive beard who used to, that team used to do. They were called like the Bodgers um, or something. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Oh, so it hasn't it hasn't been on TV since two thousand and ten. Fuck off, really? Yeah, I mean it's, it it um, is constantly on TV. To be fair, but that yeah, that's, yeah, but you know what I mean. I, uh, there were so many good episodes. Like there was one where they had to make like high speed, and I liked that they. See, this is the problem with not editing, is occasionally I will start a sentence, stop, and then when I'm editing, I'll cut it out. There was an episode where they had to do high-speed, like, dune buggies. And it was fucking just... I don't get how you're... Because my brain doesn't work in kind of the mechanic way, I struggle to comprehend how someone could look at a scrap, like, just a heap of metal and go, you know what, I'm going to build a trebuchet out of that. Like not just a trebuchet, like a catapult on a boat that's going to put out fires. Yeah, it was. It's it's nuts. It's funny you mentioned that because the um the trebuchet thing is is one of the examples that comes up when in the little uh, Wikipedia um description. But yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, oh. I mean, it... let's bring back scrap heap challenge. Also, sorry again, another tangent. However, there is a new piece of uh, I think it's an app that's just come out. And so, you know, like you're saying with the yeah. scrap heap challenge, you look at a scrap heap and you're like, okay, I'm going to build something out of this. So there's this new app that um, you put a pile of Lego, yeah. right, on the table. You scan that pile of, it doesn't have to be laid out perfectly, just a pile of Lego. You take a picture with this app. The app scans all of the pieces of Lego and then gives you a list of all of the different, like, things you Fuck can build with me. the blocks that you've got there and then the instructions how still. pissed off were you that you found that out after we did a lego specific episode Massively <laughs> <so>. <laughs> that that is crazy <laughs> like, nothing nothing makes me feel old quite like being amazed at technology because if, if you <laughs> i can't believe I, I just 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 mentioned nothing feels me old and then caught myself saying if you talk to kids today <laughs> you get, I mean, but like, there's a, there's a load of stuff my parents would be fascinated by, but for me, it's just like, well, of course they can. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, no, like DVDs. Of course, you could put stuff onto. Uh... While packing, we found some CDs. You know, burner CDs that you can only fit seven hundred megs of stuff on. Remember when <laughs> that was a big deal? I once had a hundred and twenty-eight meg memory stick. 
an IT teacher sold me because he hustled. I had a, I had a 32 meg one, and I think I at the time probably paid something like 50 quid for it because it was like that was 20, the most storage you could 20 get at quid the time. or 128 meg USB. Nice. It's fucking crazy. But yeah, we're we're just we're old, old people. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, the interesting thing as well with Children of Men is arguably the most impressive thing about the whole scene is Julianne Moore blows a ping pong ball into Clive Owen's mouth from, from like so the front seat of a car to the back seat. But it's oh, still like okay, I meant I meant more like oh from it, from I, from, I was from where okay yeah <laughs> from where from I thought we were orifice to from orifice. somewhere uh, very uncomfortable. But no, from from her mouth into his mouth, but. I don't think okay. I could do that, but that's probably because I don't know Julianne Moore. Transition done. Lovely. That's Children of Men over. Um, yeah. The long take continues. Uh, the long take does continue. Your, your second choice, good sir. My second choice, um, obviously, from Julianne Moore's ping pong skills to the wonderful nation of Japan. Um, we are going to go with a film that we have mentioned um, once before on this podcast um, back in the movies that were made for virtually nothing episode um, so if you are one of our new listeners go back give that a listen you can hear a lot more about uh, a lot more of us absolutely gushing over this film um, how good a horror movie it is how I think I said something along the lines of even though I've never fallen out of of love with cinema, this movie made me fall back in love with cinema. That's how much I love yes, it. Yes, I think that sums um, it up perfectly. <laughs> it is one of the best things I think I've watched and I'm genuinely not trying to oversell it. Um, it the film is of course One Cut of the Dead. Um, it came out in 2017. Um Funny enough, it's the Japanese um, translation uh, of the title is actually called "Don't Stop the Camera." Nice. Um, so it works perfectly in the. Oh, yeah, that's um, a good description of how to do a long take. To be fair, don't, uh, don't stop the yeah. camera or the microphone. Yeah, or or that's that. A, there, yeah. there, there was there was too long of a delay between my brain and my mouth saying microphone, and that concerns me. Um, anyway. Um, I so (laughs) the the worst thing is is I'm looking (laughs) at that one. (laughs) the The film's split into three sections, um, and I think I'm right in saying that each of them is its own long take. But the main long take is the first one, which is um, thirty seven minutes long which is very impressive for a single take. Um, and the first take is... Now, okay, I'm gonna... we don't always do this, but if you haven't seen One Cut of the Dead, um, skip ahead a bit here because some spoilers and it's a film that you don't want to have spoiled when you're watching it. So Pause. I, I can't drop in a spoiler klaxon. That's a shame. But imagine there's yeah. a spoiler klaxon. Use your... Use your imagination. Okay, close your eyes. Imagine like a blaring siren, some kind of spoiler yeah. warning motif, possibly an effect a bit on of it. Blitz spirit. Brrr. And back in the room. Yeah. So um, the it's split into three sections. The first section is the I guess the film that they're making. 
this middle section is where they're talking about making the film and the last section is you seeing them making the film but the first section is the, the bit that I want to focus on because that's the 37 minute take and it's just at the time as well when you don't know that it's a film within a film it's just like it's so good like it's I, I, yeah, I just yeah <laughs> I just love every bit of it and I think the this this sequence as well like I, I say it's really good when you don't know it's what's happening but actually once you've seen it and you watch this back you see things and you notice things that on the first watch you're like that that seemed a bit odd but on the rewatch you're like oh that's exactly what happened here here and here and stuff makes a bit more sense i think because you have like the you've got like the cameraman getting injured you've got the director improvising um one of the best bits is the human pyramid at the yes. end um to to do that like final overhead shot thing um but yeah i just it's there's nothing quite like it i don't think which i think is why i love it so much oh yeah um, what what helps with it as well is it it did uh, i mean it's, it's it's unfair to compare it to kind of higher budget films really because it was made so cheaply but all anybody knew about the film turns out to have been the first 37 minutes like you said like yeah. n- nobody expected it to be this massive meta love letter to filmmaking like it was only ever even the synopsis of the film for a long time possibly still is was just the synopsis of the film within the film yeah yeah well i remember watching it and it getting to the end of the 37 minutes i was like i mean that was a lot of fun but that was a really short yeah, movie yeah yes i had exactly the same thought yeah <laughs> like, oh that's i mean it was it's impressive i don't regret watching it but that's a bit weird and then suddenly you cut yeah. to because I thought the middle bit was more traditionally filmed. Because it may well because that well was like them I'm... talking about the plans for making this like TV. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think you're right actually because there's a few different um, sets yeah. there at as well because there's like in the flat and then there's outside of a school I think as a but yeah you're right. I usually I, yeah, I usually am um... apart from when I'm most of the time not. <laughs> Um, but I mean, this is the thing, right? The very DNA of this film is is built upon a long single take, um, and I don't think there's anything that really encapsulates this better than the way that this film does it and the way the film approaches yeah. it. Um, and just like you say, it really is like this. I mean, it's levels upon levels because it is like a meta um, love letter to filmmaking, but it's also a meta love letter to like this kind of budget, yeah, DIY filmmaking, and the fact that there are films out there and there are takes out there, like you mentioned earlier, like where because of restrictions because people are trying to get something you know they're they're trying to have their passion project on the screen that there are budget constraints there are time constraints and 
actually the only way to do it is like in this one take and it's it's kind of a bit of a love letter to that as well and it's just oh it's 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 levels upon levels of meta and cinema and everything that's just good in the world Ian it's just the I just love it it's fucking I would love a it, 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 no, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to word this correctly because I don't want to say proper, because that seems like I'm shitting on One Cut of the Dead, which is one of my favourite zombie films. But <laughs> like a like a train to Busan, they're doing a lot of spin-offs. Like a train to Busan, yeah. A uh, train to Busan presents film that is a long take. I would do a. I would pay considerable money to watch. Not enough to finance yeah. it because I don't know where the fuck I'll get that from. But. And if I could, I wouldn't be living in your spare room. So, you know, and is that a world? Oh, is that a world did. we want to live in? No. If not I at could all. choose between having access to multiple millions of dollars or living in your spare room, I know which one I would pick. Can we not pick both, and then you can share a couple of the billions? Well, of yeah, dollars. but like that—that's a—that's a friendship discussion to have at some point, isn't it? Like living in your spare room and then just drop into. Oh, you know what I just did? I financed a South Korean single take zombie movie. It's like, oh, cool. Ian. You, you're living in my spare room, though. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, and you're, you know, there's stuff to do. It's like, yeah, but, you know, the they seem like a, a great bunch of lads. <laughs> you, you, you did want to try and maybe, you know, pay the solicitors a bit more and speed them up. It's like, yeah, but no, no, but it's, it's going to be one take. <laughs> so, and there's going to be a train chase. And I'm on the credits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, special thanks to, but we we spelt Graham wrong. So you know it's uh, going to be. I like how if that was true, you would be more annoyed with me spelling Graham wrong. I would absolutely <laughs> more annoyed with you spelling Graham wrong. Yeah, and the the other thing that happens with this is that um that thirty seven minute shot uh take um they only did it six times before they perfected really? it. Really, which is very impressive that is very impressive i just i can't i can't stress enough how much people need to watch one cut of the dead again because we can't fact check a lot of this tangent discussion i it was on shudder i don't know if it still is so shudder is like an amazon prime horror movie channel which even if it's not on shudder it's worth getting like the free trial because there's some really good shit on there Including the raid. Yeah, yeah, but go watch it because it is freaking incredible and we need more one-cut zombie films. Done. Transition done. We're, we're out of zombies now and we are making our way to Atlantic City. So another thing I like about long... Or another reason I think long takes are effective is it's a great way to introduce us to characters and places so boogie nights features a great one that introduces burt reynolds character um and the owner of cinema's biggest dong dirk diggler and you also obviously have like i think one of the most famous long takes arguably in movie history is the coco cabana nightclub sequence in goodfellas so where you're following them through uh, the club, he goes around the back, you see that he knows everyone, you see the life he's leading, and in that in that scene, you basically learn everything you need to know about the characters that you'll be dealing with. And 
I, I can hear the, the audience kind of crying out. What what could have stopped that being in your top three, Ian? It's good, you know, it's one of the best films. It's one of the, uh, arguably, the most famous long take in, in cinema history. What 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 could possibly keep that out of your top three list? And the answer to that, dear listener, is for me, the Coco Cabana sequence as a whole is missing one key ingredient. And that key ingredient is Nicolas fucking Cage. So I am, of course, talking about the opening 12 minutes of 1998's definitely not bad Snake Eyes. So Snake Eyes isn't a... It's it's a film. It is a film, we'll give him that. It features this long take. It features Nicolas Cage and an incredible shirt. But it's... So Nick, Nick Cage plays the corrupt policeman Rick Santoro. And the opening of the film is basically him walking through the backstage areas of a boxing fight before he finds his seat and then a politician is assassinated. And it has everything you want in a long take. I I mean, and and by that, I mean entirely Nicolas Cage is in it. And (laughs) I mentioned on our previous episode that I would happily watch a continuous take of Nicolas Cage building Lego. And now I'm going to up the ante on that and say I would watch a continuous take of Nicolas Cage doing basically anything. 1917 with Nicolas Cage. Done. Old Boy with Nicolas Cage. Wouldn't be worse than the remake. Children of Men with Nicolas Cage. Like, the tone wouldn't be right, but watching him in a car being ambushed, I'd watch that in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, Nicolas Cage has... uh, So I'm... I'm a bit. I'm. I'm later to the Nicolas Cage bandwagon. Oh, you are going to um, enjoy living than, with me, than yourself. Um, I did watch. I watched. Um, like back when they came out, I watched Face Off. I watched Connor. Um, but up until the last few years, um, <laughs> basically when certain circumstances within one's life led to us hanging out a lot. I was going to say, um, basically, when you started seeing more of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, uh, I've, I've watched a lot more, and um, I've really come to appreciate the, I'm going to say it unironically, genius of Nicholas Cage. Exactly! Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I, got, I, got, I got legitimately like lump in my throat there. <laughs> it's like watching like a child walk for the first time or something. It's... Um, yeah, I think, and I, 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 I can tell you the moment, the moment that um, that everything clicked into place was having watched in fairly quick succession, uh, Vampire's Kiss and adaptation. Yeah, because that is that is the two ends yeah. of the cage spectrum. Yeah. So so and. Both of them were as enjoyable as each other. So so f- for me, the spectrum also has like. Yeah, so it's definitely Vampire's Kiss to adaptate, or, or adaptation leaving Las Vegas anyway, because there's still a bit of yeah. mental, or the Charlie Kaufman character in adaptation at least. Yeah, yeah. 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 But there's, um, you also have like the Nick Cage era, which we will call "I am doing this for tax reasons," <laughs> because he went from basically being able to pick what the fuck he wanted to do. 
to having to do films. And now, so I was listening to podcast uh, about this earlier, and they they put it very well in that what we have now is a generation of filmmakers who have kind of come of age who were in on the Nicolas Cage joke. Yeah. So that's why now you've got all of these films coming out where it's basically just... So Willy's Wonderland. Nicolas Cage plays the janitor. He doesn't say a word and he beats up demonic... Or not demonic. He beats up possessed animatronics in like a wacky warehouse style thing in um yeah in America and it's because they grew up with Nicolas Cage it's uh the unbearable weight of massive talent like s- same thing um mum and dad i'm s- so excited for the unbearable weight of massive talent it looks i uh, just reading the synopsis is i yeah it's it's going to be great also I know Pig um, just looks phenomenal as well. And not in the way that I initially but thought, because like, I think everyone thought it was John Wick with a pig, which it's definitely which not. Which they should make, but to be fair. In... They should make Nicolas Cage in John Wick with a pig. <laughs> yeah. But also this, by the sounds of it, is like a really visceral, touching, heartwarming piece About of loss, basically. cinema. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Like, I I don't think people appreciate, yeah, the cage spectrum, we shall call it. it. It's because, yeah, I mean, he has done a lot of shit, but he's also done, again, some incredible. He's he's done so much, and that's exactly the energy you need in a long take. See what I just did then? Seamlessly bringing it back to the discussion. It's. It's exactly what you need. So the scene doesn't seem to be a one take when it opens. It's like a news report. Um, But then it Mm -hmm. turns out you're actually watching basically like a bank of monitors. Um, And the camera then pans across the TVs to another reporter and Nicolas Cage interrupts him and then walks past the bank of TVs and you follow him from there. And then it is just him being Nicolas Cage. I think he... um, threatens someone who owns him money he meets the boxer who's about to fight you then like i said you then follow him to the front uh row of the seats you're kind of looking around and then this assassination happens and he's kind of thrown into the middle of it but i touched it before his shirt is amazing it, it's it's a weird it's... mix of like it feels like it's like leopard print until you look at it yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, it's leopard printy, but like also maybe like lava. Yeah, it's at the very least it's leopard print adjacent. <laughs> but it made me think, like you know, some kind of Nicolas Cage themed bar crawl when lockdown's over seems like it would be a thing. Like, and and by that I mean I then entirely pivoted away from researching Snake Eyes and started looking at possible Nicolas Cage themed pubs in london like not obviously not actual themed pubs but it's like is there a pub that is called like again the pig like something with rock in the name or and to be honest i couldn't find a lot but i think it would work you just it doesn't have to be like crazy fancy dress you just have to dress as nicholas cage from a film it can be crazy fancy dress if you want if you want to go 
you know, full Big Daddy, go for it. But I will not be calling you Big Daddy. Not not outside of the spare not outside room, of anyway. the spare room. No, it's there's um, there were rules for me moving here. I'm I'm very aware of it. But <laughs> yeah, it's just a great. I mean, before we go back into Snake Eyes, what what Nicolas Cage would you dress as on a Nicolas Cage themed bar crawl? Oh, um, I guess you want to be a little bit distinctive, don't you? Because like I was thinking, maybe John Travolta um, from Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> Maybe uh, um, Vampire's Kiss, just because I love that film so well, that, much. That, you just but need a, a suit and fake vampire teeth. That's what I mean. It's a perfect fancy dress thing. Or, well, and carry like a, a steak around with you as well. Oh, just, oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so either that or uh, the bees helmet. Oh, nice. I like that. Oh, or, yeah. Use, uh, I was about to say, as if you own it. Uh, we need to get, when we get our midsummer themed bear costume. That can double up yeah. as a Wicker Man costume as well. From, you know, the scene yes. where Nicolas Cage famously dresses a bear and flat out kicks a woman through a wall. <laughs> oh, God, the Wicker Man is weird. Um, yeah, Snake, so Snake Eyes is... It's similar to Extraction. Like, I don't regret watching it. I couldn't tell you anything about the film anymore. But just the, the Nicolas Cage energy is exactly what the long take needs. And like I said, I would replace any of our choices, anyone in any of our choices with Nicolas Cage, and I think it would improve it. Not just not just with I this think... episode. Any choice we've ever done, I would replace them with Nicolas Cage, and I think it would improve it. I, I've got a feeling that um, that Nicolas Cage's career is somewhat of a long take. Oh, there definitely feels like there's a performance art aspect to it, doesn't it? <laughs> it would surprise me, but I don't think as much as... I want it to, but no, and also, but also, then the unbearable weight of massive talent would be the perfect sort of like finale because it would go full circle. Oh, I, I, I cannot stress how much I want to see that film to the point that I am now hugging my guitar, just kind of staring off into the middle distance. Just, look, I just, looking, I just caught myself longingly. Just caught myself <laughs> on a, the Zoom screen doing that. It's like, ah, it's going to be great. And the thing is, I, I'm very aware that even if it's shit, it's still going to be my favourite film of all time. There, there isn't a world where I could watch that and leave it and not talk about it as if it's incredible. Oh, it's it, it's going to be, it's going to be great. I really hope that there's some somewhere puts on a. So he he has, uh, he like channels a lot of his like past characters right yeah. in it. And somewhere needs to do a like Nicolas Cage all nighter. I'm looking at you, Prince Charles. Where we go, like, but all of the films that he channels, and then we finish Ooh, with. I like that. Unbearable weight of massive talent. And, and if not, we're doing that as an all nighter. Just yeah, me, okay. you, some lactose free pizza, which I'm not going to touch. That sounds awful. I'll order myself real pizza. But yeah, I, I think that's and a and a pig. And a pig. But yeah, Snake Eyes. It's a great film. It perfectly introduces you to both the tone of the film and the characters. And it has Nicholas fucking Cage in. And uh, I was going to say that's a line Lovely. drawn under Nicholas Cage, but it's it's never going to be, is it? So, uh, and, and your your final choice, good sir. I don't, Nicholas Cage also doesn't need a line under him because he's hyperactive enough. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, my final choice is the only possible choice that I think probably one of the th- one of the when we spoke about this before, probably the reason we spoke about this. Um, it is. I'm not going to beat around the bush. You're going to say something. Uh, it, it's uh, occasionally when we do lists like this, we both assume the other person has picked it. And the, yeah. this was one of those choices of just immediately. It was okay. So we're doing long takes. You're going to do this one, or or shall I do this one? Yeah, um, yeah. It had to be in here. Um, it is the is episode six of Haunting of Hill House, uh, the Netflix show. It is presented. Uh, the episode itself is presented as a single long take, um, and it does a very good job of appearing that way. Um, it is five long takes cut together um, but seamlessly uh, so three take place in the funeral home two take place in Hill House um, the but over multiple time is... multiple timelines in Hill House right? yeah so the Hill House stuff they're kids and then in the funeral home yeah. they're adults um, and there is an amazing scene which is a 360 scene where they go from the adult characters into the kid characters um, all in real time where the camera is rotating and literally from reading about it is a case of like the adult character running away when the camera comes off and bringing the child character in their place and it just goes it's 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 fucking brilliant like I just love this episode so much Um, the so the episode is about 53 minutes long I think with the five shots and roughly breaks down to the first uh, the first continuous shot being about 14 minutes second one about seven and a half third one about 17 and a half minutes which is obviously the the longest and the um, most complex fourth one just over six minutes and the fifth one uh, about five and a half minutes um and like you say it alternates between present day funeral home and um hill house and when when they're all youngsters and it just it yeah it does really feel seamless and considering that some of those shots are like you know verging on 20 minutes long it is insanely impressive um how they managed to do it, it. it it's one of i mean this is a list that would take me literally years to try and think of and i don't think i'd ever finalize it but it's easy top three best tv episodes of all time like I, I it, yep, it's I... not to go. We'll, we'll cover the obvious shitty conversation about stuff, or shall, shall we just go? Uh, we'll go a bit shitty now. It is. I am so annoyed they followed it up with Bly Manor. I, yeah, I, I don't I... know what part of it is that the haunting of Hill House is just. It is bordering on a masterpiece, and then they followed it up with something which wasn't bad. It was just you. You. With it was the difficult second album. Yeah, with everything, and the guy had such. A, is it Mike Flanagan? Yeah. Um, has such a great track record with everything. Like, I think he did a good Annabelle prequel. That's the kind of stuff he can work with. And um, or was it Annabelle? Or was it like Ouija or something like that? It was a prequel to a film that did not need a prequel, and he smashed it out of the park. And yeah. Bly Manor just wasn't the same. And that always didn't sit well when he's managed to do this episode, which is just fucking insane. Yeah, I 
I don't know. I, I enjoy Blow Manor, but I agree with you. It's, it's not a patch on it, the, the first series. Blow Manor was... It's bad in hindsight because they didn't stick the landing. I Yeah, I, th- I think that. I think the kids were very, very annoying in it. And one thing I did like in that is the... Um, the I thought the the love story was yeah. really like to have that in a horror movie or horror movie horror series was um was really well done and you actually felt for the Again, characters which I thought was yeah and, and no no spoilers but the episode that's based around the housekeeper in Bly Manor that yep. was very very good but I I think yep. for me. Yeah, because it didn't quite. I didn't like the how they chose to wrap it up. It then just, it, it's like having a murder mystery where the solution is pointless. It's like, oh well, you've wasted my time now. Like regardless of how good everything else was, <laughs> it hasn't it hasn't come here. But yeah, but yeah, the the haunting of Hill House thing is, is the work that must have gone into it. Oh, and yeah, so they um, so. Apparently, it turns out that quite a few of the cast have got uh, fairly substantial like uh, stage experience, yeah. which apparently helped a lot with, with this imagine, kind of thing. Yeah. So there was a there's a quote from Elizabeth Razor, Razor, who um, plays Shirley Crane in the in the series, and um, she said that she started memorizing the episode two months beforehand, as if she as if they were doing yeah. a play, um, and. Uh, the um sorry two month two weeks before um normally in a play you get six weeks to rehearse they got two um to rehearse this uh which is again kind of crazy um and but it wasn't just i think as you mentioned with some other things it wasn't just the cast that had to rehearse in such a short amount of time but the crew <laughs> the crew were in constant movement throughout the scene um they've got a really heavy camera um, to work its way around the set. There's props that are in constant movement um, and um, the lights are being changed the, as well. The props thing in Haunting of Hill House is insane because they yeah. they secretly, they keep moving the statues and stuff yeah. and there's hidden ghosts and stuff like that. Like the whole thing is done to make you feel unsettled but unsure why. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's... It's it's so well done, and not only was that take so like the the biggest take in this the the eighteen minute one, um obviously that that takes eighteen minutes and you have to nail it in eight, the eighteen minutes, but um because of all the prop and the camera work, the reset of the scene took forty five minutes, and it actually turns out that the um that eighteen minute scene um so it was very reliant on this um camera dolly that was on yeah. wheels and um the cart that was moving it around it had this wheel that was meant to only be used on hardwood yeah. floors um but because it was on carpet and they it basically the mechanism kind of got a bit fucked up and um it was getting to the point where the wheels weren't working particularly well by the end of the like when by the end of like um a couple of takes so at the end of the third take, which is when they nailed it, luckily, the chain snapped, and oh, they wow. were like, "What?" Um, it was kind of like a bespoke piece that had yeah. been built for for this. So, if 
they hadn't have got it then, we wouldn't have had the episode. Yeah, 10 basically. to 12 weeks to replace this. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there was that, that 360 shot with all the adult actors replaced by their child selves, which is, is just so, so well done. But you, you mentioned Mike Flanagan, right? So Mike Flanagan directed the episode and... Um, he, if you look up his um, Twitter handle, is Flanagan Film. Um, he, there's, he's got quite a long thread on there that talks all about yeah. this because he had so many questions about it. So I've just, I've picked out a few things that were really interesting from what he was talking about. Um, but I would thoroughly, if you know, if this is the kind of thing that interests you, I'd thoroughly recommend checking out um, his Twitter account and just reading through everything because it's it's really interesting. But um, he talks about how. Uh, a lot of the camera choreography was actually included in the script itself. Yeah. So he was saying that the draft for episode six was really t- tough to read because everything is talking like um, camera pivots left, tracks right down, left aisle, keeping Stephen in MS profile. And it was like really yeah. breaking up the dialogue. So it's like a not an easy, not an easy script to read. Or, or, um, or memorize in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> or memorize in two weeks. No, exactly. Um the sets i think you mentioned this earlier in the episode but the sets for hill house and the funeral home were designed in a way that episode six could happen so they were built on adjacent stages and had to accommodate a hallway that would connect them so that that uh hugh could hugh i forget the guy's surname now is it hugh That's really not helpful. Jazz. As helpful as you think it might be. Um, God, I hate you. Um, Hugh. We'll just go with Hugh. Yeah, we'll just go with Hugh. Um, he. Oh, God, now I've skipped down to my extraction notes. You've really fucked things up, Ian. Um, I'm, 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 so, <laughs> I'm sorry that Hugh Grant has had such an impact on you. <laughs> um that he could basically walk from the funeral home to Till House at the in the in the initial shot when it goes when you kind of have that transition through the Which one is Hugh? Is he the, um he's the kid from E. T. or is he the junkie? I can't Is he the dad? I think he's okay, the then, dad. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to work out. But yes. No. Oh, so Hugh is the actor. Hugh Crane is oh, okay. the actor. Oh, sorry, is the character. Okay. Henry Thomas played yeah, who is the kid in E.T. There we go. Bit, bit, bit of trivia um, for you there. Completely painlessly done. Yeah. Completely. And you know, this is this is the the uh the nuance you don't quite get when episodes are edited. <laughs> um it's it's always like this. Always. <laughs> always. This would have been cut out before and all you would have had is uh Graham go. So it's um the, the corridor is obviously there to allow Hugh Crane, Crane. to go down. Who's played by Henry yeah. Thomas. Oh, the kid from E.T. And you would have been like the kid from yeah. E.T. Maybe yeah. I would have re-recorded um, a line of dialogue to throw it in, shifted a laugh around. <laughs> it would have been great. But instead you get uh, this. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Um, so the sets uh, were built in a way to include hiding places for crew and equipment for like in whilst these takes were happening um there were specific lighting rigs that had to hide there was a handmade elevator that would lower into place from the ceiling to bring a cameraman to the first floor for one of the shots um and they i think 
even though they only had two weeks to rehearse for it, um, the crew and everything started doing weekly walkthroughs of episode six, basically from the beginning, um, in order to try and prep for this. Um, and there is also um, there's a smashing windows segment, um, which is all digital creation, but they had to teleport um, Carla around the set. So some of that was done with um, some photo doubles, yeah. but basically they'd built these like secret crew access portals, similar to the stuff that was hiding the crew. And they basically had to kind of run her through those so she could get to the bits at the right point. Um, there's also a really quite memorable shot in it where uh, you go over the coffin and I think it was a, it was a, it was the bedneck lady yeah. in there, and then it comes back and it's the child of uh, Victoria Pedretti's yeah. character who's in there, and it's just like so much is happening in this in this um, in this episode, and yes, technically, whilst the whole thing is meant to look like one take, it is in five segments. You don't but... care. A, you don't care, <laughs> yeah. and B, like those segments alone are insanely impressive. <laughs> it's what I really like. So, it, it, it's all a it's all a faux continuous take until the last couple of minutes, where it then goes yeah. more traditional. But because it's a horror series, being a being a continuous take is just building tension the whole way, because you're waiting for something to happen, and then yeah yeah it's the the feeling is so weird and then you don't realize that until it goes back to being filmed normally because that tension then dissipates and it's it's such an experience i I recommended it to people who like you you might not like this series but even if you don't just watch this episode like you won't understand what the fuck's going on but as a piece of like just logistical planning <laughs> it's it's so yeah, yeah. fucking good yeah i it's uh, it it's a, it's a real lesson in like crew i guess yeah in in the craft that a, a crew can um that can go through to produce um cinema like this and I think it really makes you think because I would say the majority of the time I'm watching a film, I'm thinking about, you know, I think, oh, the director's done a really good job here. The actors have done a really good job. Maybe some of the special effects are really cool. You don't often think about the crew. Yeah. Um, And we're sorry for that. You you guys guys do a great job. Really appreciate it. True, guys. in in scenarios like this where sorry hang on that sounded really sarcastic i do actually appreciate it like a lot of hard work and planning gets put into shit like this and hardly anyone seems to get the credit apart from the director and the actors involved like like yeah. fucking foley people like there's so much to a film that you don't even or film and tv that you don't even think about because it's done so flawlessly every time well that's the thing like it I guess for a good, if a crew is doing their job well, no one knows. It's a bass player, <laughs> a bass player outside of funk, or a or a decent flanker. We won't go to rugby. I won't bore you with that. But okay, yeah, 
yeah it's 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 phenomenal and yeah you're right there are a couple of minutes i think it's um so 51 minutes is the like continuous shots and then the actual episode is like 53 and a half minutes there's about two and a half that are done traditionally but yeah it's like it was the it was the one choice that that kind of had to be in here it is insanely well done and um yeah as i say the if i can recommend nothing else check out uh at flanagan film on twitter and just read through um sort of mike flanagan's take on on filming this because it is a real interesting insight into just the insanity that was this um this episode it's it's awesome right so that is uh we're doing quite well i'm quite happy with this so that's our choices uh, out of yours mm. what's your final long take top three it's very difficult to decide um, two and three i it's just yeah. side two and three. <laughs> i i i guess third place i'm gonna put extraction um extraction is done very very well and as i say it's kind of the it's the bit that sticks out in the movie in the the one memorable part of it um and it does a hell of a lot but um one cut of the dead is just because of the all of the levels yeah. that come into one cut of the dead in the context of a continuous take movie and also kind of being a love letter to the to not only the horror genre but also the the this kind of one cut cinema and sort of the DIY cinema kind of yeah. things as well. It's, it's um, a love letter to the list we're doing. Exactly that. It has it has to it has to come in at second, and then yeah, look, Hill House is just uh, an incredible feat of of TV filmmaking. It is. Um, I, I I don't even know. I don't know how you plan something like that. Oh God! Um, yeah, all the sheer anxiety involved. Like, like just yeah. Well, no, knowing that the reset time takes forty five. So if you fuck up part of this eighteen minute uh, take, and it's going to take forty five minutes to reset. Yeah, it's fucking, fucking insane. But so my, for mine, I, I think number three. Uh, I, I'm glad he's here and involved as ever. But I, I think I'm going to go Snake Eyes, um, just because I can't put Snake Eyes above Old Boy in a list, regardless of what the list is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number two, I'm going to go with Old Boy. So the corridor, the corridor fight scene. I think it's an incredible fight, and it's masterfully done. But Children of Men, from a sheer long take perspective, is so fucking good. Like watching the behind the scenes of it is just as interesting as watching the scene. Like that, the sh- like similar to Hill House, that the sheer planning and work that must have gone into it, like. You know, they, they basically designed new camera equipment to be able to, to make it done. And yeah, more importantly, it, it doesn't feel... We haven't really talked about it before, but like when a long take is done badly, it feels really jarring. Like it's mm-hmm. taken you out of what you were doing. And it's like you're... Uh, it's like, hey, look what we're doing. We're cool, <laughs> right? We have a long take too. These are fashionable now. But with children... Of... But you... You, you would like it if they said that because they'd be oh yeah that's a, that, that's a different conversation entirely if they said that <laughs> during, like 
while doing a long take, just turned the camera and said, this is a long take. I mean, there's, there's another six minutes left. It's going to be brilliant. But this is... And then yeah. we're going to do some stop motion. <laughs> a stop motion long take would be shit, though. <laughs> it would be terrible. Just lots of hands. It's, well, I mean, Box Trolls has uh, stop motion uh, time lapse. Does a time lapse count as a continuous take? It's a very. I, I, I mean, I know. I know. It, I know. It's sure. lots of. Obviously, it's 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 either does or is again another exact opposite. Yeah, it's either a long take or it's Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah, which um, is the the spectrum we'll be going from for now, but. <laughs> So, so for for a final for a final top three, I, I think. Oh, let's skip to the end, shall we? Hill House is number one. You can't, you can't <laughs> not have the. Each individual part of it is insane, without factoring yeah. in the sheer, like you said, having to build a set around it, having to, the sheer, the crew having to basically dress rehearse it as often as they could to get camera moves in the the fact that not even just that but they were changing things in the background of scenes like they've been doing throughout the show without you realizing it they're hiding stuff in places like the sheer workload that goes into it given that we're currently doing a podcast designed for me not to have to edit it is yeah it's incredible it's one of the very few episodes of TV, I think I mess- messaged like anyone who would listen, just saying like you have to watch this. Could be the best episode of yeah. TV ever made. Yeah, uh, for me, then it is. It is. It is actually quite tough. You know, I I I do like Children of Men. I, I think that should go up there just from a sheer. Again, I think the how the fuck did they do that factor is strong, but is also a good scene in its own right. Like it doesn't. Right. You you watch it wondering how they've done it. Or you watch it and enjoy the scene, and then you watch it again. It's like actually, how the like if the camera is there, Chewbacca Legend Falls got to be somewhat. Like, he's driving, <laughs> so I think I would I I would personally put that up there. Um, I is it between Old Boy and Cut of the Dead? So I would say, I mean, one Cut of the Dead for me feels like it has to be there. I, it's tricky for me. I haven't seen Children of Men, so I would I would sub that out for Old Boy because it's Old Boy and I've seen it and it's great. Um but I, I take your word I mean from how you've described it and the kind of you know, ripping the cup of a top off of yeah. a car to make it work does sound insanely cool. Um so I'll, I will defer to you on on whether um, it is it is old boy or children of men. But I do think what given that one cut of the dead is literally kind of like a film about the long take, um, it, it feels like it needs to be in there. And I just love it. Yeah, so I mean, especially given we're doing this very meta as it is, given we're doing a long take of long takes, we should probably pick the long take film about doing a long take so yeah. long takes did i say that enough so yeah no i think i think you're right i think one cut of the dead needs to be up there um i'm gonna go children of men which is a t- it's basically sophie's choice here which would be a weird film to do a long take for but yeah okay let's throw 
let's say children man I, we will go if we're going full meta for the second week running we'll go one cut of the dead second how about that and then okay. slide children of men in third which is a hell of a phrasing on that one so okay yeah so the podcast nobody asked for's top three long takes at number three we have the car ambush scene from children of men at number two we have the first half of one cut of the dead and number one we have that episode of haunting of hill house which i had to wait until graham nodded there because without fail i will given it's one of my favorite tv shows ever i always get the name of the show wrong oh really because there was there were so many hill houses and hauntings of stuff that came out. Yeah, very true. Yeah, that I'll uh, yeah. yeah I'll always get them muddled up. But so that's that's our choices. If you agree with us, if you are bitterly disappointed, I went Snake Eyes over the Coco Cabana scene from Goodfellas. You can find us on Instagram at the podcast nobody asked for, and you can also find us on Kofi at the podcast nobody asked for where you can buy us a coffee and all of that money goes towards making the podcast bigger and better and usually edited (laughs) if um if you want to give us any feedback on the episode um via twitter you can do it nobody asked for pod but i do insist that any feedback you give is given in one single long take um that's uh, multiple uh, threads on a Twitter message. That's the right terminology. Um, and you just can't take your fingers off the keyboard. Uh, and no editing. Well, actually, Twitter doesn't let you edit, so it's fine. Um, you can also find us at the same place on Facebook uh, because we have one of those as well. We do. And we would also like you to, Bohemian Rhapsody style, leave us a review. So put your comment over as many separate five-star reviews as you can. Um, It really helps (laughs) us out with the whole algorithm juice stuff. Uh, We're also on Podchaser now. So if you don't have Apple, you can leave us a review on there. Because the more people that know we're awesome, the better for us. So, yes. And there's another one, Ian. Because Ian has very kindly set us up with a domain Ah. at the podcast nobody asked for.co.uk where you can find absolutely everything you need to know about us um including our top the top three things that you need to know about each of us uh, because that's something that you yeah you need in your life and we're not going to tell you on this audio medium go read it people. yeah so the, the podcast nobody asked for.co.uk has everything we just spent two minutes explaining to you so that's something for us to address um, I don't know whether to do the guitar outro because usually it slowly builds, but I feel like at the end of a long take episode, if I play guitar and make it inaudible what we're saying, I you're not going to be able to sleep because yeah. you'll just hear me like screaming and crying through the walls. So let's yeah. let's not let, let's not do that, shall we? for this.